Vocalist and actress Julia Keefe is an old soul, connecting more with the music and performers of the 30s, 40s, and 50s than what followed. Julia thought her passion for jazz and theater made a musical theater major a natural, until a year into it when she realized that contemporary musical theater is more Hamilton than Kiss Me Kate. Julia honors her love of early jazz in her tribute shows to fellow Native American vocalist Mildred Bailey. I talked with Julia Keefe in Manhattan a few days after she received her master's degree from the Manhattan School of Music and when she was still celebrating her first red carpet experience for her first feature film, Virginia, Minnesota. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. So why Mildred Bailey? Mildred Bailey came about... um, at a really interesting time in my development as a young musician, I was um, at Gonzaga Prep in Spokane, Washington, and I had really fallen in love with jazz, in particular singing as a soloist. I had been singing in choirs for a while. Um, but while I was at school there, I found out that Bing Crosby had also gone to school at Gonzaga, and I thought, hey, that's kind of awesome. So I started doing some research into Bing Crosby, and it was while, you know, rifling through some of those books that I stumbled across the name Mildred Bailey. He said that, you know, he's very grateful to have known her um, early in his life and in his career as a musician, and I, you know... If, if Bing Crosby is saying, oh, this lady really had an influence on me, then she, there must be something to that. Um, so that's sort of how the Mildred Bailey snowball got started. I, I started doing more research, and um, it was while I was doing that that I found out that she was also Native American. And the parallels I felt between her story and mine were really striking. And so it sort of took on a life of its own um, at that point. I And furthermore, I just, I really enjoyed her as a vocalist, especially given the time period. I'm kind of a nerd for jazz history and the evolution of jazz, how, you know, one uh, concept evolved from, from this to the next. And so um, to hear Mildred after being very familiar with Billie Holiday and Ella Fitzgerald and, you know, all of the great vocalists of the of the 40s and 50s. It was just cool to see something that was a little more before that. Have no use for other sweets of any kind since the day you came around. From the start I instantly made up my mind Sweeter sweetness can't be found You're so sweet, can't be beat Nothing sweeter ever stood on feet Every honeybee filled with jealousy When they see you out with me I don't blame them, goodness knows Honeysuckle rose And when you pass them by Flowers droop and sigh you much sweeter goodness knows Honeysuckle road Don't buy sugar You just have to touch my cup You my sugar It's sweet when you stir it up When I'm taking sips From your tasty lips Seems the honey fairly drips Cause you confection goodness knows Honeysuckle road 
What's special about Mildred Bailey for me is that during this time period, you know, you had these, the, the, the blues singers where it's very heavy and, you know, there's so much power in there. And then you have these other very light, trickly voices that are happening in the, in the 20s and 30s. And then there's Mildred, who's sort of in the middle, and she has the, the fast vibrato of those other vocalists, but she has the back phrasing and the, the melodic variations of, you know, what blues singers were doing. So there's almost like, ah, here's this like missing link between, you know, what Hollywood was putting out and what, you know, was very popular um, on this side and what, you know, the blues singers and the blues tradition was putting out. It was very striking to me how she could take a melody and make it her own mm. while still honoring what was written. I'll close my eyes to everyone but you. We share 
a love of this early jazz. And I'm curious about your audiences because something I had that you don't have is when I was starting out, the generation of my parents' age did remember these tunes. Mm -hmm. So when I would play them, there would be a connection. That's not true now, so I'm experiencing what you're experiencing. But I'm curious, I've seen films of you presenting this, whether it's a tribute to that or you're saying this is a cool tune by Fats Waller, this or that. You always give a bit about it, which I like, Mm -hmm. without going into a whole history thing. But how do people respond to this? Because you're playing for a lot of people who have never heard of Mildred Bailey or Billie Holiday. What are your audiences? How are they responding to this? I think their audiences are really captivated by the story and the storytelling um, and, and being able to sort of, because I'm such a nerd for the chronology of jazz, I think they get excited mm. at, at sort of seeing the evolution through my storytelling. Um, a lot of times my audiences are um, people of my grandparents' generation um, and then also my parents' generation. They are, I think there is sort of a nostalgia for um, music of the 30s and 40s. Mm-hmm. And there was sort of like a resurgence of swing music in the 90s that I think also spoke to, you know, some people of my generation as well. But I think the fact that there is this lineage and this parallel between my story and Mildred's, I think that's what kind of keeps people engaged. Um, they see that I'm excited by these parallels and and they get excited. Mildred Bailey's also not in the Jazz Hall of Fame at Lincoln Center. So by talking about that and having that sort of be like the central focal point of, you know, what what the mission is, mm. you know, people need to know who Mildred Bailey is because of her contributions. So by being able to engage them in that way, mm. um, it's been very, very positive. Rocking chairs got me Came by my side Fetch me that ginseng For I tan your hide I can't get from this cabin I'm going nowhere just sit me here grabbing at the flies round my rocking chair My dear old Aunt Harriet In heaven she be Send me a sweet chariot Or the end of the trouble I see I 
rocking chair gets it. I'm just chained. I, I, I'm just chained to my rocking chair. My guest, vocalist Julia Keith, on the Hoagie Carmichael composition Rockin' Chair. I'm Judy Carmichael. And this is Jazz Inspired. I loved that your first big love was Billie Holiday singing No More. Now, did you know you probably do since you're a nerd? A self-proclaimed <laughs> nerd. nerd. <laughs> I read that that was her favorite recording. Did you know that of I, hers? Well, actually, in preparing for this interview, I was doing research and I was like, oh, wow, that like she said that this was... Her favorite recording, and I had no idea. So you didn't know I that. I didn't know See, that. See, this, this exactly. interview yes. made you Learning find out that. things. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, it's such a well, it's fantastic, but it's such a heavy tune for a seven-year-old. Oh, in that a way, like you or four-year-old. Yeah. Okay, so even younger. <laughs> oh my word! Uh, but but I never think it's unusual for young people to tap into something. You know, people say, oh, can you believe she liked that? Well, it, it engaged you, it engaged you. But of course, the lyric, talk about that. It's a very interesting lyric. Uh, so I'm curious what a four-year-old was keying into with that. It's interesting. Right. Well, I just, I remember the melody first and foremost. And and looking at it, you know, many, many years later, it's such um, an intricate and ornate and unusual melody you know it it goes to some really weird places so for that to sort of be the thing that clicked in for me as as a child i think is really really interesting but the lyrics i remember the lyric that stayed with me was from my window skies ain't gray no more for some reason that was just that imagery and maybe, you know, my childlike brain was just sort of very much painting the picture of like a window and oh, blue skies and it's not gray anymore. But that was something that just really, really spoke to me as a child. And it sort of haunted me throughout my childhood. Um, I, I remember listening to Billie Holiday when I was four. We were living in Washington, D.C. because um, my dad had a job on Capitol Hill and then my parents moved us to our reservation in Idaho and and I didn't listen to Billie Holiday much at all while we were living on the reservation. Um, but that melody and those lyrics were still sort of in there. And I remember just sort of getting glimpses of them throughout my childhood. And then it wasn't until we moved to Spokane and I started uh, taking voice lessons and, and really like tapping into jazz um, from an academic standpoint, that that song came back. Mm. I like I, I I knew I had to find it. I had to find that song that haunted me, and I got my you know Billie Holiday greatest hits album, um, of which there are many. But you know I I got this one, and I just I heard that song again, and oh, it it felt like coming home mm. in a really really strange and beautiful way. It was just, oh, I'm home. You ain't gonna bother me 
Billie Holiday's sound since then and it's always it's almost like a like a a trumpet with a harmon mute you know it's just one of those sounds that just taps into something mm-hmm. so emotional and so visceral and and just raw that there's there's really nothing like it i remember in my undergrad we were talking we were doing you know comparing different vocalists and um oftentimes you know Billie Holiday would be at the bottom of the list or whatever as you know the the fan favorite and really like, so yeah. she was not i don't know why um yeah oftentimes we were just like Billie Holiday is like spinach. Like she's good for you, but you don't want her all the time. And I was like, oh my God, I love Billie Holiday. That's really interesting because spinach you're giving, well, you're giving me a chance to ask this because so many people who come on the show and musicians that I know talk about what's being taught Mm -hmm. in jazz schools now. And you would ask any, ask 20 experienced musicians who aren't in school, and they would have lots of reasons to talk about Billie Holiday that would all be about the emotion, the experience, how raw mm-hmm. it is that you know her core, you yes. know this woman's lived, you know what she's been through, it all comes through. All these things that that most jazz musicians think are important, mm-hmm. separate from 
a beautiful sound or a be- you know all of those things right. but that's interesting but in school it was a different focus probably yeah it sounds like it if she wasn't a favorite yeah well i mean it there's such a focus on you know timbre and uh precision you know you have to be able to navigate this harmony in such a way and of course these are unbelievably important concepts but one of the things that you know we as vocalists have is this lyric and sometimes you don't have to be you don't have to have a pretty sound to tell a very compelling and provocative story and i think the beauty of what billie holiday did was that she was so vulnerable in her music and i think there there needs to be a return to that mm. you know a lot of things are very technically challenging and very precise but there's something really beautiful about the messy and the raw and the real yeah yeah i think it's very hard to be very vulnerable other than technically vulnerable if you if you're navigating complex harmonies and thinking about that and just trying to hang on and have good keep your intonation together and right. all of that how can you how can you be emotionally vulnerable i'm just i'm i'm really thinking about that because i'm thinking for myself if i set a tempo playing piano right. that's so fast all i can think about is just surviving the time together surviving <laughs> yeah. it really is i can't really reveal much more than whether my chops are up that night or not yeah yeah so I just I just graduated from I know. Manhattan School of Music. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations. <laughs> um, and with my recital, the funny thing about grad school was that you know I came in like ah I love I'm a I'm a swing singer like ah I got this uh, feel that pocket it's great <laughs> um, and a lot of these uh, professors were you know steering me in other directions like okay we know you can do swing. Let's do something that's completely, completely different. So I was focusing on Brazilian music, which I love, and, you know, modern free jazz, fusion, like really getting beyond my knowledge of, you know, uh, up until like the 60s. That's that's usually where like jazz nerd wise, jazz history nerd wise, I'm like, okay. And then the sixties happened and that's about it. Then I go back to the beginning. (laughs) So then it was like, no, no, very important stuff happened in the sixties and afterwards. And they had us working on very technically challenging stuff. And so, you know, for my recital, I was doing Igberto Gismonti tunes that, you know, are like at just stupid fast tempos and very, very rangy. And of course, there aren't lyrics to it, but you need to have that precision, um, that dexterity that, you know, yeah, like I just need to survive this. And in the practice room, my teacher, the amazing Joe Laurie, uh, was like, Julia, are you having fun? It was such a great question because I was sitting there just like sweating bullets. Like I just need to get these like octave leaps that are, you know, 16th note runs like all the way up and down. <laughs> and and Joe, beautiful woman, was just like, are you having fun? Because this is supposed to be a party tune. Egberto Gismonti writes fun, whimsical party tunes. So if you're not having fun, then what's the point? And so I guess for for those, you know, 
challenging songs that have really complex harmonies or, or complex melodies, I guess it does sort of come down to like, yeah, you got to put in the work to make sure that that's feeling good. But then when it comes to going up on the bandstand, you just got to put that, put the, the, um, the practice mm-hmm. away mm-hmm. and really focus on enjoying what it is that you've been shedding and enjoying telling this story and it wasn't until my recital working on those you know Egberto Gismonti tunes that I was like this is great I actually enjoy this a lot oh you Um, did oh so you came around yeah 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 yeah. I was you know as soon as she asked me are you having fun and that went for all of my rep because you know grad school you're just hoping you pass your classes (laughs) and um so, you know, she was like, do everything with a smile. I know it sounds really cheesy, but, you know, just fake it. Fake it right now. Smile and see if you can dig in and enjoy. Mm. And that was when, you know, the material started to speak to me. Mm. And um, so I imagine, you know, with contemporary vocalists doing these much more complex uh, tunes – like yeah, you gotta you gotta do the work. You gotta put in put in the hours to make sure that that material is solid. But you have to enjoy it mm. and find the humanity in it. And then then I feel that's when it's musical. I let a song go out of my heart. It was the sweetest melody I know I lost heaven For you with a song Since you and I had drifted apart Life doesn't seem a thing to me Please come back, sweet music I know I was wrong Am I too late To make amends You know that we were meant to be more than just friends Just friends I let a song go out of my heart Believe me, darling, when I say I won't know sweet music Until you return someday My guest vocalist Julia Keefe on I Let a Song Go Out of My Heart. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Thank you. 
I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Our show is made possible in part with generous support from Steinway & Sons and from East Hampton Indoor Tennis, eight indoor and 20 outdoor courts in a quiet, beautiful park-like setting. Visit ehit.ws for more information. For a schedule of upcoming programs, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can listen to podcasts of Jazz Inspired on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And email us at info at jazzinspired.com or visit us on Facebook and Twitter at Stride Queen. Support for Jazz Inspired is provided by Jazz Times Magazine, providing entertaining and provocative coverage of the jazz scene since 1970. On the web at jazztimes.com. My guest is vocalist Julia Keefe, here singing the Glenn Miller tune, Bluebirds in the Moonlight. There are bluebirds in the moonlight, silly idea, bluebirds in the moonlight, but that's how I feel when I'm with you. There are night owls in the daylight Silly idea, night owls in the daylight Or maybe my heart is saying who, 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 who done to me there are bluebirds in the moonlight silly idea bluebirds in the moonlight but that's how I feel when I'm with you you have such a wonderful stage presence is that something you've been aware of that you have I know we talked a little bit before we got on mic that you had different kinds of advice in school, some of it not in the direction that you wanted to go, some of it helpful, I'm sure. How did you decide on what you were going to do? And you've taken acting as well, so mm-hmm. I'm sure that that's helped. But talk a little bit about that. Well, and now that you know, now that we're on mic um, and I'm thinking about just sort of my career from the time that I was 15, you know, I've... I've always been um, given the advice to act like a jazz singer. <laughs> and what does that exactly. mean? Exactly. <laughs> You're listening to jazz 89.5. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Oh. Like, what? Hi, welcome to this so and so jazz oh. club. I'm Julia Keefe. Like, that was the advice given to me. Even by as, teachers. By teachers, by professionals. Like, you know, it. In I wouldn't even know what Spokane. that means. I know. It, it was such a bizarre bit of advice. And maybe it was to sort of, um, because when I was younger, I, I could go off on tangents, you know, between songs. I would, you know, I didn't know how to stop talking. I was sort of like, so, um, yeah, I guess I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, right. And, and um, so it could have been just sort of like, you know, embody this thing of confidence 
Well, there's something to be said for and, that. And there's absolutely That's just walk out like you own it. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And there and and there is something to be said for that. But I just remember thinking like, so I have to use my acting chops to be a jazz singer. I have to pretend to be a jazz singer when I am one. <laughs> and and oh, it was so that, interesting. Yeah, it, it was just it was really bizarre. And so I had I had this sort of moment. Um, it was actually a, a former friend uh, who who was like, Julia, you're so awkward on stage. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, that's because I'm faking it. Yeah, I'm faking the jazz singer. And it was playing the part of a jazz singer. Exactly. Like I, I, you know, put on my jazz singer shoes and I put on my jazz singer dress and I go out and be a jazz singer. It's like, no, I am a jazz singer. It's very clear. Our love is here to stay. Not for a but ever and a day The radio and the telephone And movies that we know They're just passing fancies And in time they'll go But oh my dear our love is here to stay Together we're going a long, long way In time the Rockies may crumble Gibraltar may tumble They're only made of clay But our love is here to And in 
My guest, vocalist Julia Keefe, on Love is Here to Stay. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Julia was told repeatedly that she had to act like a jazz singer on stage, meaning the image that others had of a jazz singer. Julia took a while to accept that she was not that person and didn't want to pretend to be. I am a jazz singer, and I'm a quirky one, and I'm a funny one. And that's not because of the jazz or because of anything else. Like, I am... That's who you are. It's who I am. I was like, I would rather go out there and let my little freak flag fly than, you know, fake it to, to fake it. Well, and it's it's really refreshing, I can tell you, because you don't see that very much, because everybody takes themselves, not everybody, but so many people take themselves so seriously. Yeah. And jazz has enough problems. And I loved you saying, I, I read an article uh, that you were talking about um, the competitions that you were in, and that you'd keep, you know, you wouldn't win, mm-hmm. and you went back the next year, and you wouldn't win. And I think... That's such a great message, and especially now, because I think, uh, at least people keep saying it to me, and I've seen it a bit, of the, quote, younger generation. They expect things very fast. Yeah. Because a lot of things you can get fast. Yeah. I mean, you can be on Facebook, and you can see yourself on a screen, and there you are. That's pretty fast. Mm -hmm. You didn't have to do anything. But you, for some reason, had it in you to know that, okay, I lost, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure this out, what, I, what am I doing? Was that something your parents taught you? Do you think that was an innate thing that you had? Because that's, that's unusual and, and very important yeah. if you're going to get better. For so sure. So speak to that. I think it's a combination of both my, my parents having, um, instilling that idea in me, but also just my own, I, I think there was a, a bit of me in it too, because each year, you know, th- that first year, it was such a struggle to even get into the solo competition because my choir director was like, well, if it can't just be you doing this solo vocalist competition. There have to be other vocalists too. And granted, one of the other vocalists was his daughter. Um, <laughs> and it, there, was, there was a little... So there was an early understanding of nepotism. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and And also just, you know... Uh, and I know, like, I didn't, I didn't do well that first competition, but there was also a, an element of seeing what sabotage looks like a little bit. 
because he was, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just thinking about it. It's like I'm having flashbacks on my it's own like, career and thing. That is valuable. I yes, like I like your attitude, <laughs> young lady. <laughs> but like, you know, I, I remember because I was very prepared. I in seventh grade, I went to Lionel Hampton Jazz Festival for the first time and I loved it. I was like, oh, this is great. I'm surrounded by jazz clinics and workshops and all of these young musicians who are just like so jazzed for jazz. And and I saw that there was a solo vocalist competition. I was like, you know what? I'd like to do that. So I lobbied a full year to try to get that to happen. And I was very prepared. I remember I did uh, Love Walked In and Nika's Dream, I think. Wow. So and yeah. how old? I was in eighth grade at that point, yeah. so maybe so 13, like 13, 14, yeah. yeah. I think it was 13. I was young in my class. But I remember we were doing Nika's Dream, and my piano player, who was also my choir director, um, messed up the form. No, no! After all that preparation. Yeah. And, and granted, like, you know, uh, upon reflection, I, I had – that was a learning experience, going to Lionel Hampton and doing that – like I, I wasn't super solid on my on my stuff, but you kind of want your accompanist to have the form. Exactly, you want to know that you have people behind you who believe in you and are there for you and support you, and so that that was a learning experience. And when I saw the scores, his daughter did better than I did. Um, it it wasn't a it wasn't an angry thing that I felt. It was sort of a, a, a tactical thing that I felt. There was Good. This, yeah, there was this thing of sort of like, okay, all right, what did I learn? Next year, I'm going to do it differently. And the following year, I, I was at a new school. I had an, an entirely new band. And even then, you know, uh, my, <laughs> my choir director, uh, who was also my piano player, um, wanted me to wait until my entire choir got into the the room. But the timer starts as soon as you walk onto that bandstand. So we were sitting there for like five minutes. So he used up your time. He used up my time. Unbelievable. Um, and so that, that was a learning experience. I was like, okay, two years in a row, I've had my choir directors involved in my band. I was like, you know what? Next year, I'm going to hire my band. I will be completely in charge of my my band. And I saw the person who won Lionel Hampton that year, they did three songs in 15 minutes. First two songs, there was no gap in between. They sort of like, as soon as it was done, they just flowed right into the next one. I was like, oh, that's brilliant. Okay, so then you can do a ballad, a swing tune, and a Latin tune. You've got the time. Exactly. And so I, it, every year was a learning experience. And I, I do think, you know, my, my parents, they're sort of, you know, tactical people like, okay, how do we, how do we make this better? Um, so that could just be sort of like family karma or, yeah, or but something. I think but, that it, but what I'm really struck by is your, is your attitude about it because other people come in with, with somebody who maybe tells them all of that and that's a big advantage. Mm-hmm. And they shoot right to the top and maybe they win. But you learn these things in a very different way. And you learned not only how things work, 
but you learned how to adjust and how to accept it. Because a lot of people be really angry about this. Yeah. And that would be all they take from it is that the world's a terrible place. And, you know, I know people that were in, you know, these um, Britain's Got Talent, things like that. Right. And they were sabotaged. I mean, to where I don't want to be sued, but where the people in charge came over and said, no, don't sing that tune because they saw that they were on their way to winning and they'd already chosen that this person was going to win. Uh, and he was 14 and devastated by it. Yeah. But so this stuff happens everywhere and people don't sure. know that. But you had the attitude, whether it was from your parents or whatever it was. How did your parents react with it? I'm just curious. Um, they couldn't have been happy that their daughter had been thrown under the bus. Well, that was another thing was that I didn't tell them. Ah, so, so that's interesting too. Yeah. was because, you know, my, my dad is full blooded Irish. My mom is native American. We can, we can be an angry household from time yeah. to time. The tomahawks exactly. come out. Ah, we're very upset. Um, oh my but, word. That's but, interesting. So you just didn't tell him you, but just, you took it in. Yeah, I took it in. And there was also a sort of naivety, um, naivete, uh, because these were the adults who were making these decisions. Yeah. Well, yeah, those are the ones we're looking to. Exactly. And so there, there is, um, I wonder now if like, you know, at the time it was sort of like, oh no, he just messed up or, oh no, you know, that's, that was just a, um, we just messed up. We messed up. I wonder if, if that's where it was. And it wasn't until later that it was sort of looking back on like, you know, Nika's dream, it's it's pretty standard too. Yeah, and he had he had lead sheets. I think maybe it was yeah. it was as my yeah. brain sort of matured. But that's also I think that that's also a great lesson because we realize the people that we think are in charge are that know more than we do, and it's still good to have that respect and that hope. Yeah, but it's not always that way. Yeah, I'm just impressed with your attitude and that you took it. Oh, and thank you. Yeah, because it's learning from those things. Yeah, and I just I I was just excited to be going to Lionel Hampton. You know, like that was that was the fun. Well, and you kept coming back exactly, which is the big point. And so each year, you know, I would go to jazz camps, and each song that I took learned at that jazz camp would be what I was doing at Lionel Hampton. I created like a year long strategy of how do I prepare for Lionel. And I don't know, that was that was part of the fun. Darn that dream I dream each night You say you love me And you hold me tight But when I wake You are out of sight Oh, darn that dream Darn your lips And darn your eyes They lift me high above the moonlit skies And I tumble Darn that one track mind of mine I can't under 
understand why you don't care and just to change the mood I'm in I'd welcome a nice old nightmare darn that dream and bless it Without that dream, I never would have you. But it haunts me, and it won't come true. Oh, darn that dream. My guest, vocalist Julia Keefe on Darn That Dream. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Talk about Sarah Vaughn. I love Sarah. What I love about her is that when you look at when you look at sort of the the checklist of what makes a good jazz vocalist, it's like no vibrato. Um, you know, like, <laughs> oh, yeah, she doesn't have any of Exactly. Like, when you think about, at least from the academic standpoint, you know, they're always like, you got to iron out your vibrato. You got to, you know, do this, do that, do the other thing. And then you look at Sarah, who has a mile wide vibrato and a range that goes on for days. Um, and she's just, she's amazing. She's such a, a wonderful musician. And, um, the tune that I brought you, uh, No Count Blues, that was on a compilation uh, CD that I think I got from like Starbucks or something as like a 13-year-old. I like it. Yeah. Yay, Starbucks. Exactly. Woo. Um, and I, I heard this tune and she has this amazing scat that just rocked my world um, because it was bluesy and it was she took her time and it really had build to it and it was just so moving and groovy i i loved it i fell in love with it it became sort of my my go-to for good scatting Yeah. 
I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I'm talking with vocalist, actress, Julia Keefe. So I was in L.A., and I was doing some musicals there, and I was doing some things. And then I moved back to Spokane um, to teach jazz voice at, at Gonzaga U. And that, like, first summer that I was back, I got this email from uh, a casting director out of Minnesota. And they were like, we, we want you to audition for a role. And of course, having lived in LA and gotten, you know, spammy emails was like, just pay us $500. (laughs) (laughs) So I got this email and I was like, yeah, right. (laughs) And so I just, I ignored it. Then I got another one. I was like, you're still, this is not real. And then the director of this film, Virginia, Minnesota, the director, uh, Daniel Stein, reached out to me on Facebook and was like, listen, we've been trying to get a hold of you. Um, That's so funny. Can you please submit material? And I thought, how did this come about? Um, And, you know, a friend of a friend was actually dating Daniel at the time. And he had written this screenplay that called for a, um, a Native American or at least like partially Native American woman who played guitar. Um, And his girlfriend at the time said, I know that girl. I I know this. I know this woman. Her name is Julia. Like, here's all of her information, blah, 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 blah. And so his, you know, casting director was trying to get a hold of me. Um, So as soon as I got that, I was like, oh, my God, Um, I'm so sorry. I'll submit as soon as soon as possible. I reached out to the casting director and apologized. Um, So I, I submitted my first audition, which was fine. I, I was not feeling good about it. They're like, okay, we want you to, you know, film this other scene too. And so I, I filmed that scene. And again, I was sort of like, meh. Um, but then when I was emailing them that audition, I thought I'll, I'll email them my, a a video of me singing an original tune. Mm. I mean, if they want to see my guitar playing, here's, here's how it is. And you can see how I am as a storyteller through my music. Um, so I sent that. And then, you know, a few days later, they were like, great, you got your, your cast. What's your agent's info, blah, 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 blah. And so I, I flew out to Minnesota, um, to film this, this, uh, little indie film called Virginia, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were staying in Duluth and I got to work with these amazing actresses who are still really good friends. Um, you know, to this day. And, and it's out now and, and available. It's, it's out mm-hmm. now and available. Uh, it was in theaters. I think it was earlier this year mm-hmm. that it went to theaters. And now it's available on Amazon Prime and iTunes. And um, So this is your first feature film. This is my first feature film. I had done some uh, television work. I was on the uh, sci-fi uh, zombie show Z Nation Um, in their first season. They were filming in Spokane. um, And that was my first SAG credit. I was like, (laughs) woohoo! SAG eligible. It's great. No, Um, and wonderful. So this is big because you've just graduated. Yes. So you have your degree and your first feature film. And my first feature film, all before I was 30. It's very exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. I was looking back on this decade and I was like, you know what, this is this is good. I think I, I, think I, did, I think I did all right. You did all right. I think you're just delightful. I love your music, your presentation. 
that you're keeping this alive and that you've focused in on Mildred Bailey especially. I love that. That's just a personal <laughs> thing that I'm happy about. But I'm so glad that you had the time for this yeah. with all the things that are going on. Oh, well, thank so, you for having me. This has been great. Absolutely. Thank you very much. You've been listening to my conversation with vocalist Julia Keefe. I hope you'll join me here next time when I talk with another creative person about how jazz has inspired their life and work. I'm Judy Carmichael, the host and producer of Jazz Inspired. My production engineer is Curtis Heidolf. You can download free podcasts of Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired from iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Our opening music was Airmail Special, and the mid-break music is a smooth one, from my CD, High on Fats and Other Stuff. The closing music is Old Fashioned Love, from my CD trio. I'm on piano with my Cashem on sax and Chris Flory on guitar. Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is made possible with generous support from our listeners and from Steinway and Sons and from Sag Harbor Florist. Visit sagharborflorist.net. For a schedule of upcoming programs, to sign up for our email newsletter, or to find out how you can personally support Jazz Inspired, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can email us at info at jazzinspired.com or visit us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Stride Queen. Jazz Inspired is also sponsored in part by Page at 63 Main in Sag Harbor, New York, serving organic microgreens and vegetables grown on their own energy-efficient indoor and outdoor aquaponic farms. Better taste, happier planet. Visit page at 63main at opentable.com. And special thanks to Henry and Gilda Block and to the Ken Colker Foundation. For more information, visit jazzinspired.com or judycarmichael.com.